Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Just a little trigger warning before we get started. I discussed domestic violence in Leah's segment. Just a heads up. Hey, hi. It's a snow day here in Pennsylvania, or at least my part of Pennsylvania. We didn't get that much snow, but... It was nice. I am staying inside. I'm not planning on going anywhere. And I have watched a lot of Teen Mom today. (laughs) A lot of Teen Mom. I woke up and watched Girls Night In, which I thought was very funny this week. Cheyenne's dad (laughs) was extremely rude, but funny. When he said that Jade's mom looks like a truck driver, I really lost it. (laughs) It might have been a little too mean for like what they're going for for this show like because they were kind of making fun of the looks of the cast members but it's also funny I don't know it's hard when it's somebody that's like affiliated with the show that's why I think shows like people's couch work because these are just random people at home you know in quotation marks at home watching And so, like, it doesn't really matter if they talk shit, but it is kind of weird to hear, like, people affiliated with the show talking shit, kind of like Randy, how I never love when Randy's, like, talking mad shit on Twitter. But it was so funny, and it made me laugh. Um, My question mark, question mark, question mark about Girls Night In this week is, who thought Tanya, Amber's mother, would be a good person to have on this show? I'm confused now. If you are not very familiar with Tanya, you should do yourself a favor and watch Amber's season of Marriage Bootcamp Family Edition because Amber, Matt, and Tanya go on. Tanya, uh, I don't, I mean, she's on a lot of medication. She literally spends the first half of the season of Marriage Bootcamp withdrawing from her medication. Why she went on a two-week trip without her medications, I don't know. What those medications are, I don't know. I don't think it's ever been fully disclosed exactly what Tanya's on, but she slurs like crazy. Like it's almost triggering to listen to how bad she slurs. Honestly, it like makes me uncomfortable. It's truly worse than Nathan in many ways. Uh, she just slurs really, really bad. So having her give commentary on something didn't make a ton of sense to me. She also doesn't have a ton of insight into anything. Um, So that was a weird choice. I also don't love Kim as the person that Kate and Tyler are watching with. I think Kate and Tyler don't need a third. I also think Macy and Taylor don't need a third. They filmed with their friend Raj two weeks in a row and it's like is that necessary? Is it necessary to bring in people that we like kind of know that aren't particularly funny and like don't add a lot of commentary? At least like Cheyenne's stepdad and her dad are funny. And actually, I said this in the first episode, too, and it was Corey, Cheyenne's mom, Zach and Cheyenne. Like that was laugh out loud funny to me. Like I think Cheyenne's family really. um, Oh, my God, that's so funny. Kara literally just texted me about (laughs) Cheyenne's dad on Girls Night In. I have to pause to tell her I'm literally recording about that at this exact second. But yeah, maybe this should just be like Cheyenne and her family. 
like various members of her family giving commentary because they're funny. I do like Kate and Tyler segments. I think that Tyler um, is really good at talking about MTV. Also, like Tyler clearly watches Teen Mom 2 and keeps up with the cast. He is like fully in the story, knows everything that's going on, knows everybody's drama. Um Amber clearly doesn't really know these people. I think this was all filmed after Family Reunion, so they know them to an extent. But I don't know why we're pretending like they watched Teen Mom 2. Once again, I think that this would be a better show if um, they were watching better episodes of this show. Like, I, for this episode, I'm going to be recapping Season 5, Episode 8 and 9, and some fun things happen. Some wild and fun things happen that are just not happening in the current season. I watched uh, Ultimate Girls Trip, you know, what I'm calling this show, and it was good. I actually thought it was a good episode, but there definitely was not like an hour's worth of material to talk about. So I'm going to next week recap this week's episode and next week's episode. Um, I was glad to see Devoin show up. Um, It was actually really interesting to hear Amber kind of take some accountability for what's going on with Leah and like finally admit that she fucked up when it came to gentlemen. Oh, in Girl Side Inn, Amber says she's been engaged four times. Who to who? What is she talking about? So she got engaged to Gary. She got engaged to Matt. She got engaged to Andrew. And then she says, Dimitri's trying to get me to marry him now. And her mom goes, he is? (laughs) I don't think Dimitri's still in the picture at this point. But when she said that, I was like, who is the fourth? Were her and Gary engaged twice? Is that what she's talking about? I was really, when she said four times, I was like, I don't know that to be true. And I think I know Amber's life a little bit better than she does. (laughs) But yeah, I'll talk about Ultimate Girls Trip uh, in a two-episode clip. Just not enough happens to give it a good full episode recap. So then after I watched those two shows, I was like, okay, I'll watch a throwback. I guess I'm in a really good mood today and felt like doing some work. (laughs) So I decided to watch Teen Mom 2 Season 5 Episode 8 because in the description it says that Barb and Nathan get into a big fight which of course happened off camera, which I forgot about. And it was a pretty good episode. But then I decided, why don't I just watch the next episode too? And then I should have plenty to talk about for each mom. And I do. They were two good episodes. Um, Just to give a little bit of a catch up where we are in season five. Season five is what happens when MTV like had kept Teen Mom 2 off the air for over a year. Uh, We come back and Janelle has married Cortland, gotten pregnant by him. She gets the abortion in episode one or two of the season. Then she meets Nathan. At this point in time, her and Nathan, of course, have moved in with one another already because why would she date a man that she doesn't move in with? Uh, He still has his job selling timeshares. He dresses like a Mormon missionary for this job. Truly, it's so funny. Um, So that gets quit like very soon after this is filmed. But Janelle is at that point where she has like broken up with Cortland. She's gotten the abortion. Her and Nate are now in a perfect relationship. Chelsea is like starting to form as Chelsea. (laughs) Chelsea in season five is like officially, in my opinion, when 
new Chelsea comes and old Chelsea is dead. She has gotten into shape. She has the red hair. She's starting to wear outfits that look more like she wears now. Um, Her makeup is changing. Like she's definitely starting to look like the Chelsea that she becomes. I think she meets Cole around this time and I think they start filming together next season. I don't think I don't know if she's with Cole at this point. Definitely not like on the show and not mentioning him on the show. But I believe I think that this is around the time that she meets Cole. So Adam has just had Paisley. He's still with Taylor and he's fighting for more time to see Aubrey. So that's where we are in Chelsea's life. Um, Leah has married Jeremy. They have baby Addie. Addie is like six months old. The twins are four. Corey and Miranda are married and Jeremy and Leah are having issues. Um, Leah is deep in her drug addiction at this point, although I will say she definitely like holds it pretty together in this episode. I saw a lot of people recently online saying that there's no way that Leah could be on drugs because when Leah is on drugs, she doesn't hold it together at all. And like, it's so obvious and you would definitely know. But like watching these episodes, I was like, she honestly seems pretty fine. Like knowing that she was addicted to drugs at this point, of course, there are times where I'm like, she seems high there. She seems high there. But in general, like she doesn't she doesn't seem fucked up. But we know that she was. We know that this is like really close to like the height of her addiction. She's in rehab not that long after this, within a year of this, I believe. Is that possible? How old was Addie when she went to rehab? I honestly don't quite remember. But Jeremy is working a lot and they're fighting about that. And Kale is with Javi. She is like seven months pregnant and they are in the lead up to their wedding. She has just moved to Delaware in this season and she is still bringing Isaac back to Pennsylvania for visits. So that's kind of where we are with all of the girls in these episodes. And let's chat about them. Let's start with Chelsea. I mean, obviously, Chelsea's going to be the most boring. She's always the most boring. (laughs) Oh, poor Chelsea. As I said, this is Chelsea, like, really coming into the modern day era of Chelsea, if you will. She has shed the terrible blonde hair. She's full in the red. I noticed she doesn't yet have extensions, and I know this because she's wearing her hair in a lot of these scenes, like, In a top knot that's so far forward on her head, she would never be able to do that with extensions not showing. Like, if she had extensions in, we would be seeing her tracks. (laughs) That's why Chelsea always wears a beanie, by the way. I always see people like, why is Chelsea wearing a beanie in every picture she takes? Because of her extensions. She doesn't want to do her hair. As a girl with bangs, I can let you know that ever since I got bangs, I started wearing hats way more because I don't want to do my bangs all the time. How many times can I say bangs in a second? Um, <laughs> but when you have something on the top of your head that requires you to do some work to look semi-presentable, you wear hats. I never did that before I had bangs. I, I mean, sometimes when I cut my hair, usually I could just wear a headband. But like, in my old life, before I had bangs, I could usually look fine without having to go through the effort of, like, fully styling it to be semi-presentable. But when you have, like, short hair or you have extensions or you have bangs or you have something, like, you have to wear a hat a lot of the times if you don't feel like doing your hair. And that is the case for one Chelsea DeBoer. She just doesn't want to do her hair because her extensions are showing, so she puts on a hat. 
So that's the great mystery, if you're wondering. Do you think, riddle me this, let me know, go on Instagram.com, find my account, feathers underscore pod. Do you think Chelsea and Cole are upset with Carhartt requiring vaccinations for their employees? Do we think Chelsea and Cole are vaccinated? I honestly don't know. I find they confuse me. Like, I don't know. I I mean, <laughs> I think they're gen- like generally pretty apolitical and, like, apathetic when it comes to politics. Um, they went to gay pride one time, you know. Also, though, like, when they met Colin Kaepernick at one of the reunions, like, they posted his picture on Instagram. So they clearly aren't, like, so conservative that they wouldn't post a picture of Colin Kaepernick. Um, but I'm not quite sure that they're, I mean, I don't think they vote. This isn't like a do they vote question because I, I would be kind of shocked if Chelsea was even registered to vote, to be honest. Cole's probably registered, but I'd be shocked if Chelsea was even registered to vote. But I'm curious if, I'm wondering if they're vaccinated and if they support vaccination <laughs> mandates. I would love to know that. Chelsea, call me. Let me know if that's the case. If you are mad that Carhartt is requiring their employees to get vaccinated and you will no longer be buying Carhartt. Okay, so in the previous episode, Chelsea found out that Adam was spending the night, excuse me, Aubrey was spending the night at Adam's house and not his parents, which it had been agreed to. I will say this is like peak cuteness for basically all of the kids, especially Aubrey, though. They're four. They're all like newlyish four or they just turned four. And that's the same thing. Newlyish for just turned for. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my brain is disconnecting. I'm, my brain feels really dumb recently. I'm not really sure what's going on with that, but it doesn't feel great. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, Aubrey is just like peak, peak, peak cuteness because they still kind of look like babies in a lot of ways, but they can fully speak and have personalities and four is such a cute age, just in general. They're, she's so cute, and she's being really cute in this episode. Um, Chelsea has these ugly big red couches. It's so interesting, like, to see Chelsea's style evolution into, like, influencer in her house currently. It's so obviously just what she sees online versus what she's, like, actually into. I'm not saying your taste can't change from... She's, like, 22 in this scene, so like, in this season. So I'm not saying, like, you can't grow up and have your taste change. But I personally believe, like, the real Chelsea is closer to, like, ugly-ass huge red couches than, like, the total minimalist thing that she has going on in her current house. So she goes to check the mail, and she found out that she had papers from Adam from the court. And basically, Adam is requesting that he gets the South Dakota, like, parenting plan, um, which is basically, like, state guidelines for what they suggest for, like, a non-custodial parent. And so that is every other weekend plus some time in the summer. And Chelsea is understandably upset about this at this point in time. Uh, Adam has been mostly out of in and out of Aubrey's life. He's really unreliable. Chelsea's definitely been doing it on her own. I do think that she and Cole must be together in this scene, like in this season, because she's like 
really, really anti-Adam, and I don't think she still is, like, sleeping with Adam at this point. Um, And we know she was sleeping with Adam at least through when Taylor got pregnant, and Paisley is born in this. I would bet that she had stopped sleeping with Adam, like, maybe six months before this was filmed, and she's, like, in full I hate Adam mode, and I think that has always been spurred by Cole. Um, I'm about to say some nice things about Cole, by the way. (laughs) I'm about to get on my fairy tale shit. (laughs) So, Chelsea's just annoyed, but her dad is like, it is what it is, we'll file an objection, and she goes over her dad's house to talk about it. They had seen their lawyer, and basically Chelsea offered, like, a suggestion. I think her lawyer basically let her know that Adam is going to get time, no matter what. Like, it's very unlikely that the court is not going to order, like, a visitation schedule. So what you should do is you should present the best case scenario for you. Like, the one that you can live with, which is really good advice. That's exactly why you pay a lawyer, right? Like, to tell you... What you should do, then you can have realistic expectations. And what Chelsea asked for was all of the visits to be at his parents and for Aubrey to go every other weekend for one night or every third weekend for two nights, which we know that's what ends up happening because that's the custody agreement that they then have for many years to come. She's like, she doesn't want that at all. She feels like it's a lose-lose situation, which I understand. But I think it was, I think it's a good compromise from what Adam's asking. I think it's probably the safest way that they could do visitation. And I definitely think, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, I think her lawyer was like really smart asking for that. Like, no shit. Like, <laughs> I'm sure they got like the best family law attorney in South Dakota. Like, yeah, I'm, uh, but Liz Bentley gave you the seal of approval. So that's all that matters, right? <laughs> but Chelsea and Randy have a conversation and Randy basically, he's not trying to be like, I don't know. I wouldn't say he's being mean because he's not being mean. He's being very blunt about Aubrey's reality in a way that upsets Chelsea. And I, I understand why she feels that way in this scene. I was feeling really empathetic to Chelsea in this episode. Um, But basically, Randy says something like, Aubrey knows what a mommy is, but she thinks a daddy is like somebody that you see every, like, once every couple weeks and you take a picture with him. <laughs> And it's fine because that's all she knows. And Chelsea starts crying. She's like, it's just so upsetting. Like, she won't know what a dad is. She'll never know what a dad is. I know what a dad is. I want her to know what a dad is. I didn't think about this when I got pregnant. Like, I wasn't planning for any of this. And I want to, like, watching this scene, I felt really happy for Chelsea knowing what we know about her life now. As I said a million times, do I think Chelsea and Cole have a perfect relationship? No, because nobody has a perfect relationship. Do I think Chelsea and Cole are nearly as happy as they present on Instagram? No, because no influencer is nearly as happy as they present on Instagram. But do I think Chelsea and Cole have a pretty good marriage? Yeah, I think they're happy and I think they love their kids and I think they're good parents. And I don't personally like Chelsea, but I think because I find her boring and dumb, honestly, not very funny, which is, I mean... (laughs) Like, the three worst things that I can say about per- a person is that you're boring and you're dumb and you're not very funny. Like, if you have at least one of those things going for you, I can tolerate you. But all three of those things, I wouldn't want you in my life. But I do believe that Chelsea and Cole have a nice partnership. And when you're watching somebody 
crying uh, like jet like and not in a bratty way chelsea cries in a bratty way a lot right like watching her in these earlier seasons although she, this as i said this is new chelsea she's growing up chelsea in this season she definitely still has like that bratty thing that she had in the early seasons and a lot of times chelsea used to cry like in a bratty way but watching chelsea cry in a genuine way just like about the deep sadness she feels that her daughter won't know what a dad is, knowing that in just a few years, she'll be married to Cole and that Aubrey will be calling Cole dad by her own accord, as far as we know, right? Like, we, as far as we know, that's what Aubrey likes to call him. And knowing that Aubrey will have a father figure in Cole and she will know what a dad is, is really special. It's really touching. Now, do I think that the trauma of Adam doesn't matter because Cole's around? No, not at all. I think Aubrey has um, dealt with some pretty great trauma in her life. Um, the trauma of her father not being the picture, the trauma of her father being an abusive addict. I mean, the trauma of having a little sister that she didn't really get to have a relationship with that is then adopted by another person. And so that's kind of a weird relationship. I think they still see each other like very occasionally, but I, that's trauma. And it might not affect Aubrey. Like the reality is, is I mean, in the words, <laughs> in the words of Dr. Gabor Mate, who I fucking love, trauma isn't what happens. It's how you experience it. And so it, it depends. We don't know. Aubrey could grow up and like, this is truly all like water off her back. Is that the saying? water rolling off her back like none of this really affects her her brain is able to deal with it all and she is happy and healthy and her bonding with Cole is enough as far as father figure goes and she doesn't feel any sense of absence or loss and that I hope is what happens um but I like we need to be realistic that Aubrey has definitely experienced some serious trauma and but I just I feel so happy for her and Chelsea that they have Cole. And I I don't mean that in like a Cole came and saved the day type of way. But like, you know, watching somebody cry that their child like truly doesn't know what it means to have a father, knowing what we know now, it, it makes me feel good. I'm in an earnest mood today. <laughs> you guys have caught me on an earnest day, I guess, because I watched that and I was like, wow, I'm genuinely happy for Chelsea, which I think I have said like throughout the years, right? That I shit on Chelsea because I have a podcast which involves shitting on people on the show, but I don't necessarily like have beef with Chelsea as a person. Um, and I do think it's really lovely that she found a partner that she loves and gets along with and has made like this really nice family. And that like for the rest of, I mean, She's always going to have to deal with, I I don't know how much Chelsea chooses to deal with it, but the reality is always going to be that Aubrey has a biological father that has really harmed her, right? Um, I mean, in some ways, she's lucky that she hasn't been harmed more, and a lot of that is probably because she had a mom that really loved and protected her. I would also think that Adam's parents probably prevented a lot of that harm because she was with Adam's parents when she saw him. They were supervised. But, um, you know, Chelsea in this episode is talking about how, like, she didn't think about who the father of her child was really going to be beyond, like, her and Adam were just together. And 
she learned her lesson. Like, there's props to that. Like, there's growth in that. Like, she fucked up having a baby with Adam. You guys know that I personally think that she planned to have Aubrey. (laughs) That she made a conscious choice to have Aubrey. But she had real growth. And, like, for that, I say mazel tov. Like, good for you. Like, she went and she found a partner that she loves, that makes her feel loved, that she knew would be a good dad, and as far as we know, is a very good father. And she gave the rest of her children a really good dad. And also, by doing that, gave Aubrey a really good dad. So, to that I say, good for you, Chelsea. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, then we'll do episode two. Okay, actually, not that much happens in episode two for Chelsea. (laughs) Oh, there is a scene... (laughs) episode one I'm looking at my notes now where Chelsea Grace comes over and they're talking cash shit about Adam like just going on and on and on and on and on and Aubrey is there and at one point Chelsea says like when you're just a piece of shit that doesn't come around and Aubrey goes like my dad (laughs) Chelsea goes what and she goes like my dad you're talking about my dad (laughs) oh god They really talked about ADAM in front of Aubrey for way too long. Uh, In the next episode, it's nothing's happening. They're just waiting for the judge to respond to the stuff that was filed. Um, Adam and his friend talk about how jealous Chelsea is of Taylor. And I do think that for much of Aubrey's life up until that point, jealousy affected Chelsea's decisions when it came to Adam. I don't say that to be bitchy because I, for one, like, hate. It's funny, Tomlin and I were together last weekend and just talking about this. Like, I, for one, hate when people are like, she's just jealous. She's just jealous. She's just doing that because she's jealous. I just, I don't like it. But, like, I do think that Chelsea for many years, I mean, we know for many years that Chelsea was still sleeping with Adam and wanted to be with Adam and was still stuck in this cycle with him. And I think that, like, when she made decisions about Aubrey, like, she did base them on if she was jealous of whoever Adam was seeing or not. I think at this point in time, because I am pretty sure she's with Cole at this point in time, like, I think at this point in time, I, I don't think she's doing that. I think it's gotten to the point where they are no longer sleeping together. But I do think that, like, Chelsea is jealous of Taylor, um... Because I think that's natural, right? Like, she was with Adam for a long time and in a really abusive dynamic with Adam for a long time. And you don't just, like, shake that off, uh, especially someone like Chelsea, who had incredibly low self-esteem. And I don't think losing 25 pounds, like, all of a sudden made Chelsea, like, fucking love herself and obsessed with herself. You know what I mean? Like, I think she still had very low self-esteem. And I'm sure she was jealous of the fact that Adam and Taylor were playing family with Paisley. Um, but that doesn't make her a bad person. And in reality, like Adam was an unsafe person for Aubrey to be around. So I don't really care if she's acting out of jealousy, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah, that's Adam is just like, he's like, so what? I have some DUIs. Like, I don't know why the judge would care about that. Like, I think the judge is going to be really impressed that I'm like with Taylor and we have a baby. (laughs) Like, Adam's a fucking monster. I always, we kind of forget we, I don't know who we is here, but, like, it's easy to forget about how bad Adam was just because, like, he's not on the show and he hasn't been on the show. And I mean, Chelsea's on the show either. 
but he hasn't been on the show in such a long time that it's really, really easy to forget how just how bad he was and how mean he is. Like the shit he and his friends talk about Chelsea. It's just all so mean. It's so mean. Okay. Let's talk about Kalen next. So Kale is settled in Delaware and very pregnant with little baby Lincoln. Um, They're in the lead up to their wedding. And the interesting thing about Kale in this moment of time is she's trying to figure out how to blend into Javi's family. Javi has his sister. And then in the next episode, they're talking about the nine of us, the nine of us. And I believe those are his first cousins. And I think his extended family is very, very close to one another. So I think that Kale, who has come from a place of very few family members, uh, as we know, her mom was her mom. I know she has some cousins that she was close with as a kid, but I think in general, like, they were very much her extended family. Like, they were not people that were part of her day-to-day life in the way that I think Javi's cousins are part of his. And I, it's, it's hard to watch because I think that Kale, I mean, they're still young at this point. I think most of them are like 21, 22 when season five is going on. 23 at max, right? So they're also very young. Um, And Kale... I think is trying. I think Kale saw hot. Well, first of all, I think Javi saw Kale and got his hooks on her. But I think that what Kale saw in Javi was a life that she always wanted that she was not given. And by that, I mean like a really tight family, a really stable family, loving family, like a big extended cousins family. They go, they have these big holidays and they're at the shore together every summer. And like just this life that Kale did not live. And I think now like 30 something Kale has kind of understood that for whatever reason, like that's just not for her. I don't think she'd be looking for that again in a partner. I think that Kale has figured out in some ways that like, I, which this is sad to say because I don't want to say I don't want to say that that like Kale's incapable of being part of a large family. I think that's like a really sad thing to say about someone, but I don't think it has to be an insult. I think that I personally don't know if I would want to marry into a family that was like super 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 tight with the entire extended family. Like that's a lot. That's some really hard dynamics. Um. I just read on Reddit, on the Sister Wives subreddit, somebody say that they married into a family with five brothers. And so the wives are all like basically took on essentially like these sister wife roles and that the dynamics were like so fucked up and they were also like intertwined with each other. And like, I don't think I would personally want that. And I can see why at 22, Kale really thought she wanted that in a way that, like, she'd probably be happier now with a partner that just has, like, a small immediate family and then, like, an extended family they see every once in a while. Like, a, a family like mine, honestly. I I can see the ideal, like, I can see when you're young and you're from, like, a not tight-knit family and you're an only child and you don't have reliable parents. I can see how you're like, wow. I want to marry into a family that does Sunday dinner every Sunday, that every single week it's somebody else's birthday and we're celebrating and 
we're all the best of friends and like there's a wedding every month and like everybody is so involved in each other's lives. Like I want that. I want that for my kids. I want to be part of that. And I don't think that was the life ever for Kale. And I think that was a big reason that she like kind of agreed to be with Javi because she was like, this is my chance to get this type of life. And it just didn't work for her. And we're seeing this kind of play out in this season. And then we continue to see it. But in the previous episode, Kale had gotten to like a fight with Javi's sisters and cousins over earrings that the bridesmaids were to wear. Javi gets put in the middle. They don't know how to deal with it. At one point, the night before the wedding, Kale's with all of her bridesmaids. And one of the cousins like literally confronts her about it and is like, you need to be more comfortable speaking up with us. You can't go through Javi. And it was actually nice because Kale's friends, Becky, Gigi, and Peach, like, really shut down Javi's cousin. And we're like, you need to understand that, like, that Kale doesn't have a family. And, like, when we get involved, when... Basically, part of the issue is that the cousins... Javi's family doesn't like how involved Kale's friends are in her life. And... I get it because they have, they're like, this is a family matter. Like the friends need to stay out of it. And Kale's side is like, well, my friends are my family because I don't have a family. And hearing Kale's friends stick up for her is really nice. I think Kale and Becky are friends again. No, Bone. Kale and Bone are friends again. Bone is not in the picture yet at this point. Seeing Becky made me sad. She was always Kale's like ride or die. Gigi and Peach went out with Javi. Um... Isn't Gigi the one that she's, she and Javi had a threesome with? Isn't that what happened? Or was that Peach? I think that was Gigi, which is why Gigi went away. And I think Peach was always Javi's best friend. Um, at this point, it's it's sad for me to watch Kale and Javi. They've already been married for a year at this point, by the way. So it's like very funny. They're like talking about cold feet. Like, do you want to do this? And it's like, they're fucking married. What do you mean do they want to do this? Also, like, they keep kind of talking about how they didn't plan to be pregnant at this wedding. And our friend is like, I don't really understand why you plan this wedding for right now. And the fourth wall is not broken. So Kale's not saying like MTV wanted this to be a (laughs) storyline. Like, we're doing this because MTV wanted Javi and I to get married on camera, and Javi really wants to get married on camera, and I want MTV to pay for a lot of this. So that's where, that's what we're doing. (laughs) I do love their Camden, Camden Aquarium wedding, though. I would maybe get married there. Um, But, like, it's hard to watch Kale in this period of her life, because I think that this is Kale, like making a true, genuine genuine effort to have a traditional, settled-down life. And she finds this guy, Javi, who is, like, really into traditional values, and he has a traditional family, and he has this, like, all of these friends that are going to come into her life, and she has, like, this really tight-knit group of friends and like things are going well for her and I it's hard to watch this because I think that this is Kale really trying and it's sad to know like how hard it destructs and I think that this has really soured her um I think she has a lot of unrelated trauma to like Javi and the divorce and the marriage and all of it that she doesn't like get into that much um, my guess would be because her childhood was really traumatic and then the stuff with Chris has been really traumatic. And I think that 
it's easy to kind of forget about the stuff with Javi. And I also don't think she maybe has, like, the introspective ability to, like, really focus in on this. But I personally think that, like, Kale had really convinced herself, like, this is the way that I'm going to get the life that I want to get. They're making money with Team Mom for not the first time, but, like, the show had kind of gone off the air. They weren't sure if it was ever coming back. She gets with Javi, who has, like, this good job in the military, who really wants to provide for his family. The show comes back. They're making money. She's, like, I think at that point had just quit her job as, um, like, working in the dental office, but she had been, like, on track for a dental hygienist job. I just think that Kale was trying to be something she wasn't, uh, maybe not something she wasn't. I think she was doing it with the wrong person. She was doing it with someone that she didn't, she never really loved. And she said that. And part of me is like, do I believe her? I think she loved Javi, but not, not as much as she loved like the idea of what Javi could provide for her life. And I think when that didn't work out, Kale got a terrible case of the fuckets. Which in AA, we kind of talk about like having a case of the fuckets where you're just like, well, that didn't work. Fuck it. I'm going to go as hard to the other side as I can. I'm going to go as hard as I can. As soon as something in my life doesn't work out, I'm just saying fuck it. And I'm throwing everything else away in favor for this other thing that I'm going to do. And I really think that's what happened with Kale once she really accepted that things with Javi were just not working. I think she's like, well, I tried. I tried to have a stable family. I tried to have a stable life. I tried to be with someone who had this extended family and I tried to like uh, blend in with them and they wouldn't accept it. And so that's it. That's it. It's not, it's never going to work. It's not going to work. So I'm destined for these like really chaotic, unstable relationships. And that's sad. That's really sad to me because it doesn't have to be that way. Um, But it will be that way for a long time, I think unless Kale decides to get some serious help for herself, that's, I don't know what type of help Kale needs, but I think whatever type of help Kale's getting right now is not, is not working. Kale and Javi right now are on an upswing, so she's talking a lot of shit on Jill, as she does. Do I think Kale and Javi are having sex? Probably. Um, I'd guess her and Javi have sex pretty regularly. I mean, we know, like, <laughs> right? He, I, she wants to pretend like they weren't having sex back when the Wawa thing happened, but like, Hobby asking if he could just slide through, like, clearly this is something that they do, right? So I think that they're probably having sex personally. Um, they just, I, they're so bad for each other. They're so toxic. And watching these, scenes of them like playing happy family oh kale also says something so shitty she's like you know i'm watching javi and isaac together and they have a connection that joe and javi don't have or that joe and isaac don't have it's like that's a fucked up thing to say (laughs) even if it's true and joe is still like well he's with v at this point they're like definitely settled down more joe wasn't like super involved he was involved but he wasn't like as much as he is now. And Kale to say that on camera, it's just like, there's, there's Kale. Okay. There she is. You know, she looks a little different in these scenes. Um, she, by the way, she's like so insecure about her weight and being pregnant. She mentions multiple times how fat she is. 
Um, she's like really concerned with her wedding dress. She wants to make sure that she looks pregnant, but not fat. It's this whole thing. And which I like, it's, it's just interesting to watch, like knowing where she is now and the way that she talks about her body and weight and et cetera, et cetera. But hearing her say that about Joe, it's like, that's unnecessary. Like, honestly, at that point in time, Javi and Isaac probably were closer than Joe and Isaac because Javi was with him. 80% of the time. He lived with Isaac for like 80% of the time. Isaac, by the way, was... Isaac is the sweetest child. I forget just like how sweet and sensitive and aware he is. The way he gives compliments is like... It's so cute. One of my nieces that's five this year, like around three, she like just would... She started giving people random compliments and like none of her sisters have done this. And she would just like, look at me and she'd go, I like your shirt, Aunt Liz. And it just like filled my heart. And it's so rare when a child like is really aware of the surroundings. Like the other kids, I could be like, do you like my shirt? And they'd be like, yeah, I like it. But like this one would, I I don't know if I say their name. I'm like, do I say their names on the podcast? I can't remember. (laughs) But the third one would just like look at you and be like, And also she had, I mean, she still kind of has it. She's very little. She's very teeny tiny. She's always been teeny tiny. And she has this like teeny tiny little baby voice. And (laughs) she'd say in her little teeny tiny baby voice, like, I like your dress. And it would just make you feel so good. And that's how Isaac is. Like, there's just something so sweet and sensitive and soulful about him. And like, he looks at Kale's dress and he goes, Mommy, it's so pretty. (laughs) I just love it so much, Mommy. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's so cute. Oh, I mean, just like, I know it it can be really hard to have a child who's sensitive like that and really feels their feelings. And I can imagine it's like, Princess has talked about this, that she is a child (laughs) that is like this. And that like, it can, it gets a little exhausting because you have to give a lot of yourself to them. But, like, the good moments are just so cute. Oh, God. Isaac is just so cute in this episode. Oh, there. so I just wanted to share this. There is a scene of her going to pick up the dress at Alfred Angelo's, which was, like, a David Bridal's type place. When my uh, brother and sister-in-law got married, I got my bridesmaid's dress from there. And a few years ago... This was in like 2016 or 2017, Alfred Angelo's closed down. And this was back in the EBP Facebook group days, RIP. And <laughs> somebody in the group, okay, so Alfred Angelo's basically filed bankruptcy and announced like you have 24 hours to get your stuff out of the store. And like they had thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds, I don't know how many, but like thousands and thousands of wedding dresses, bridesmaids dresses, because like, you know, you buy them and then you leave them there for alterations. And basically they were like, you have until 6 p.m. tonight to come get it or like we're getting rid of it, which is just fucking crazy that they were able to do that. And an EBP Facebook group member got caught on the news. (laughs) So whatever news station like ABC 10 or whatever went to an Alfred Angelo's in her town and was interviewing somebody outside of it. Basically, she like somebody who was like a bride and they just 
got their dress. It's like 5.50 p.m. So the store is closing in 10 minutes and then all inventory is inaccessible. And the news reporter's like talking to this woman. And then all of a sudden you see someone in the background sprinting into the store, like full force sprint into the store. It's so funny. And that was a member in the EVP Facebook group. If you listen to Feathers My Hair, so please message me and also send me the video. It's so... I would love to see that again. It was so funny. (laughs) Imagine getting caught on the news just like running as fast as you can into the bridal store. (laughs) I think she was picking up her bridesmaid's dress or it was her sister, but it was somebody that was part of the EVP Facebook group. Oh, so funny. That was like such a beautiful moment. I was on the news once. Must have talked about on this podcast because I think I had this podcast when I was on the news. But I was going into the gym on New Year's Day, and so I thought they were, it was going to be asking me about, um, like, New Year's resolutions or something. Like, somebody, like, ran up to me. He's like, do you want to be on the news? And I was like, sure. And then he was asking me about toll prices in Florida, <laughs> like, because I lived in Florida. And I was like, he was like, do you support uh, tolls on the express li- expressway lanes, which is a thing that they do on I-95, um, but they've... Like, I guess we're going to add it to the turnpike in Florida. And I was like, I told him yes, because I don't mind paying for convenience. <laughs> and we was like asking me about prices. And I had a like an easy pass, but Florida's version, Sun Pass, that my dad had given me that he paid for. So like, I didn't have any concept of how much tolls even cost. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I pay for convenience. My friend Billy will still like text me that occasionally. Like Liz Bentley will pay for convenience. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, there is a funny moment when Carol is saying that she's not going to have a veil that goes over the front of her face because that's only for virgins and she's obviously not a virgin. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean that's only like, <laughs> that was very weird when she said that. I was like, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't think that's a thing. All right. Let's talk about Leah, who at this time is Leah Calvert. She is married to Jeremy. She has little Addie Lynn, who is six months pregnant, six months pregnant, who's six months old. The twins are four. And in the first episode, it's just Allie is going to preschool. I kind of forgot about this. They put Allie in preschool, like, separately from Gracie. I would have to watch the episode before, which I didn't do, to find out, like, their exact reasoning. I'm wondering if they got some sort of, like, subsidizing because of Allie's disability that they were able to put her in preschool. Because when they talk about Gracie needing to go, they make it kind of seem like it's not necessarily possible to happen. Um, But Allie was going to preschool, and so they have her first day of preschool. When they're driving her in there, she said... And Sissy's going to be crying because she's going to miss me. (laughs) It's very cute. And she liked preschool. But the second episode is the good one. So this is Jeremy. This is Jeremy just a few episodes before had had that like accident on the site where he like passed out while he was working, which I have said that I believe may have been drug induced. I think Jeremy partied with Leah. I have always said this. I think they partied. Um, There's a lot of drug use on the pipelines. I know that there are drug tests, but like 
I believe, because you're operating like heavy machinery, machinery and shit. But those guys work many, many hours for long stretches of time away from their family. They get so much money, so much money that there's like rampant. My understanding is that there's like rampant drug abuse um, in these like pipeline gigs. So I personally think that like, I don't think Jeremy's a drug addict, but I think that Jeremy probably partied with Leah, which I think is how a lot of addict, non-addict couples start, right? Like, it goes from, like, partying together to one partner, like, spinning out of control. You guys know I famously, I don't believe for one second that Leah's drug abuse started with the botched epidural. I personally think Leah has been using drugs for a very long time, um, had been using drugs for a very long time. I really don't think that she's still using. I know a lot of people do. I really, I don't, honestly. Like, do I think that maybe sometimes she seems like she took an extra Xanax? Yeah. Um, so, like, do I think occasionally she abuses a pill? Sure. But I think for the most part, she doesn't. Um, she just doesn't give me those vibes, honestly. Do I think Leah's, like, a pillar of health and perfect? No. But I think for the most part, she doesn't use drugs. Uh, like, she doesn't abuse substances. But I, when I watch season one, there are scenes where Leah's fucking high and I can tell she's high and I know she's high. So I just don't believe the story that she got addicted with the botch epidural. Do I think that that maybe sent her spiraling? Yeah, sure. Do I think that maybe she wasn't really using like opioids before that? Possible. Maybe she was just doing Adderall and Xanax and drinking or whatever. I just personally think that she has been abusing drugs for a lot longer. I don't think she'll ever be honest about her drug addiction. I mean, she put out a fucking book that was filled with lies about it. And then on the book tour is saying stuff that contradicts what's in the fucking book after she like advertises this book as being the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's a whole thing. Plus, we know she was still getting high when she came home from rehab because the TRD stuff was all after she went to treatment. So she was fucked up in all of those. So, yeah, at least I think the TRD stuff was after rehab. Mm, I can't totally. Now my timeline is like getting messed up in my brain. But I remember her being fucked up after she went to rehab. That was some of the worst parts like of her on film. She looked so bad. But so Leah finds out that Jeremy has to he gets a job in Pennsylvania and he has to go tomorrow he has been home and Leah kind of flips out and this is hard because on one hand like I understand why she's upset she's clearly drowning she's in the midst of a drug addiction um she has a daughter with special needs do we still say special needs she's a daughter with a disability And then she has three kids, including a baby. Like, Addie's, like, six months old in this. And so she is totally overwhelmed. And at the same time, like, I don't really know what she wants from Jeremy. You know? Like, I don't really know what she wants him to say. Because she's like, I think she just maybe wants him to validate that it's hard for her. She wants somebody that's good at talking, which I think is why she was, like, so drawn to that Jason guy, because I think Jason was, like, really good about talking about feelings and stuff, and now this new Jalen guy, I think, is, like, really good at, um, talking, like, that cult language that she was in. They're always talking, like, even in Girls' Night In or what, no, Ultimate Girls' Trip, she was saying, like, he has short-term girls goals, long-time girl goals, 
I can't say goals today. He shared a text the other day that was like, I just pitched a billion dollar deal uh, idea to someone and they said, you'll make a billion easily. And she's like, yes, baby, we're going to build that brand together. And I'm like, Leah, I hope you're not investing in that. I hope you're not investing. Please do not give him investment money. But I think like now that she's on this tip of like, goals, bettering herself, standing in her power, like that thing. I think that's why she's really drawn to this Jalen guy who I'm, I'm trying not to judge too much because we really don't know anything about him. I think the Jason guy was like really good at feelings. I think this Jalen guy is like really on her wave as far as like being an entrepreneur, which I think Leah fancies herself as wanting to be, but will never be. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) it's just the truth but here she's like bitching to jeremy and he's like she's like can't you get a new job and he goes leah how am i gonna get a new job what job am i gonna take do you think it makes sense for me to get a 12 dollar an hour job how are you gonna pay for insurance you want a new house for Allie because they need a new house that's more wheelchair accessible um he's like we're paying for this and this and like he's totally right They live in an economically depressed area, and I think at this point they're, like, up to their eyes in payments and debt because Leah has a very expensive drug addiction, and they have a lot of nice stuff. They have Jeremy's really nice car. They have that nice trailer they're living in. I think that was a trailer, but it was, like, a big, nice trailer, and they owned it because he's talking about the mortgage on it. Like, they... It's not reasonable. Leah, like... Leah's so immature in these, in this scene, and Jeremy's really immature, and it's really frustrating to watch, because I think, I, she just keeps saying over and over again, like, you don't know how hard, how hard it is for me, you don't know how hard it is for me, and Jeremy is just like, I don't know what you want me to do, and I think Leah just wants him to say, like, I'm really sorry that it's so hard for you, and I wish it wouldn't be so hard for you, and I wish there was something else that I could do to make it easier for you, but I'm not... I'm just not sure, but I recognize how hard you're working. I I think that's what she wanted. Um, Jeremy clearly did not know that's what she wanted because <laughs> he was not saying that. He was not saying that at all. He was saying, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. You want me to quit? And I get it because, like, he, he – and he says, like, you should have thought of this before we got married. And she's like, how can you even say that? Nobody knows what it's like before you get married. And it's like, well, hold on. That's not true. Because if you and Jeremy slowed the fuck down and lived together for a couple years, then, yeah, you would know what it's like for him to be away for long periods of time. Like, don't pretend like it was impossible to know what it would be like before you got married. (laughs) Like, you got married within a year of knowing each other, I'm pretty sure. Like, if you had just slowed down, lived together, really got the experience of your husband being away for, or your significant other being away for weeks at a time, you could have made a more informed decision. And she knows that, which is why she's, like, getting so pissy about it, I think. And so I understand where Jeremy's coming from, because he's like, this is my job before we met. I make a shit ton of money. We know how, I mean, they're not saying it, right? But, like, Yes, they have the MTV money, but they know how unreliable the MTV money is because they just went over a year without the show being on TV. Like, they just went a long time without the show being on the air. So, I mean, they she got pregnant and had a whole baby. <laughs> like, 
when this season came back, baby Addie was already here and she wasn't even pregnant in the the ending of the season of season four. So like that show was off air long enough for her to get pregnant and have a baby and to come on the show with a three month old baby. So Jeremy is aware of how unstable the MTV income is and how they don't even know if like the season's going to air, you know, like <laughs> MTV could film this whole season and not air it. Hello, Team Mom, New Jersey. Still want to see it. <laughs> So he's not saying that, but I'm sure that's part of the conversation. And he's like, I had this job before we got married. I make a shit ton of money with this job and we have a lot of expenses. So what the fuck do you want me to do, Leah? What do you want me to do? Why did you marry me? Also, we know that Jeremy's dad worked on the pipelines and I think his long suffering mother just kept her head down and figured it out. So I think he doesn't have a lot of empathy for Leah. I think he is just like, this is what marriages look like. Figure it out. Um, he has, like, very little empathy in this scene. But I, I understand. I understand where both of them are coming from. I get that she just wants validation from Jeremy that things are hard. But she's not... She's being, like, passive-aggressive in the way that she's asking for it. And Jeremy just wants her to shut up. Um, She's like, well, then we need to go to counseling. And it's like, well, do you need to go to counseling? I mean, they need to go to counseling, probably. They probably did need to go to counseling. But... I'm not sure what she wanted out of counseling, and I can't blame Jeremy for not wanting to go because I think from where Jeremy's sitting, the issue in their marriage is the job, and he's not quitting the job, so what's a counselor going to tell them, you know? And I can understand that. I don't think Leo has been very clear in expressing why they needed to go to counseling, is what I'm saying. Like, it... Which I guess makes sense because that's probably part of the reason she needed to go go to counseling. So then I gasped when I realized what episode this was that I was watching because in the next scene they're standing in the kitchen and I was like, oh, I know exactly what this is. Do you guys know what I'm about to say? It is the bacon slap. It is. It, and then I thought, have I covered this episode in Feathers My Hair before? And it's possible I haven't if that's the case. Okay. <laughs> this show's been on for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to be repeating stuff probably. But they're having this fight. Well, they're not even having a fight. Leah just decides that she wants to keep fighting about this. And Jeremy really clearly does not. And she's like, we have to go to counseling. We have to go to counseling. And he's like, I don't want to go and have... Jim Bob from Charleston tell us what's wrong in our marriage. And she's like, you know, you're just scared to go because you feel like you're not a man if you go to counseling. And fine, we won't go to counseling. And then they're making BLTs and Jeremy picks up a piece of bacon and slaps her in the face with it. And on one hand, is it funny? Yes. I mean, there's inherent comic inherent comedy in somebody hitting someone in the face with a piece of bacon. But as I said, I'm in an earnest mood today. I'm in like a a feeling mood today. I kind of gasped when this happened. I've not rewatched. I can't remember the last time I rewatched this. Um, It's actually like not great. (laughs) It's really, it's really not funny. Um, Because they're not joking around. 
the bacon slap could be funny in a scene where they're kicking in their kitchen about who knows what. But this is not, they're not laughing. They're having a fight. And this isn't like, I don't know. I think he did it to like lighten the mood. That's why it's still kind of funny because I don't think he was actually doing it. Is this right? Do I want to say this? I don't think he was like doing it as like a way to hurt her or like an act of aggression, but it was still like a really inappropriate way. I mean, first of all, just don't don't hit people. Right? That that's 101, don't hit people. Um my controversial take is that I'm kind of like anti-play fighting in relationships and Please, you don't need to message me telling me that you and your husband have, like, a perfect relationship and you guys play slap. That's your business. That's fine. But I have personally had friends where they were play fighting and then their boyfriend hit them in the face. Um, I Obviously, like, every couple is different, but I do think that introducing aggression into your relationship even in a playful way can be dangerous not always but it can be so like in general I'm like pretty anti like play fighting um so the bacon slap kind of falls into that saying bacon slap is just a really funny it's a really funny phrase it is it really is it's but it's really not funny Leah's like upset about it she's not like physically hurt but he does it like kind of hard like he doesn't just like like flick his wrist like he kind of pulls his arm back and like swings that that also seems too dramatic for what it is but I would suggest re-watching this scene like this whole scene in the context if you have not watched this in a long time to see what your feelings are of it now I think at the time I thought it was a lot funnier um, then I remember it being, like, then it is, then I feel about it now. It just, it did not sit well with me. Leah's, like, upset about it, and she's like, why would you do that? Like, we're, and he's like, it was just funny, and she's like, no, it wasn't funny. Like, we're having a fight, like, that wasn't okay. Like, why did you do that? I don't know. It's a really weird scene. I, I don't think Jeremy hits Leah. I don't think that this is like an... I'm not saying this is domestic violence. I want to be clear. I just think this was like an inappropriate action. I think that there can be inappropriate actions that are not violence. That's so touchy. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And I don't want to say it wrong. Um, And I think in general... (laughs) Like, because in general, like, you don't hit your partner no matter what. Um, But I don't think he was doing it in an attempt to hurt her. I don't think he was doing an attempt to scare her. I think he genuinely was just, like, trying to be a dick that's fun. Like, I think he was trying to be funny, but, like, in a dickish way that I don't appreciate anyway. And I don't like it. He shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have done it. Um... I wouldn't go as far as to say it's like a scene of abuse, in my opinion, but I can see how people would read it that way. I should put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I It's just, ugh, it's just, I just don't like it. He shouldn't have done it. I felt sad for Leah in that scene because she didn't, she, Leah didn't feel good about it. She didn't like him doing it. And, yeah, it's just hard to watch. Um, But at the same time, like, 
bacon slap aside, this fight they're having is so ridiculous. And counseling really could help them, honestly, because counseling could, a good counselor could help Leah stop, I hate the word nagging, but for lack of better words, nagging Jeremy about his job because his job is here to stay, at least for the time being. It is his work. It's how he provides for the family. She knew what she was getting into. There's not a reasonable alternative at this point in time. He's doing his pipelining. So a counselor could help Leah recognize that nagging him about it is just going to cause fights and it's not going to do anything. And a counselor could help Jeremy realize that when Leah is nagging about it, she's not necessarily like saying, I need you to quit your job today. She doesn't she just doesn't know how to say, like, I really need you to validate the hard work that I'm doing and, like, how difficult this is for me. And obviously they never get that, right? Like, obviously. <laughs> obviously they never get that far. Um, There's a scene with Victoria and Leah where Victoria goes, why are you and Jeremy having problems? You have, you're, you have a perfect life. And Leah goes, a perfect life. And, like, kind of goes in on uh, on Oreo for saying that. Which I get. You don't... That's annoying to hear. Leah and Jeremy never should have gotten married. <laughs> Ever. They never should have had that little baby of theirs. They made a lot of mistakes. Leah should have got that abortion that she said was a miscarriage. Broken up with Jeremy and kept it pushing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the bacon slap. I don't know. Is this, I just don't know. I think that if you view that as domestic violence, like I under, I just want to make it clear, like I understand why. Um, and that I just think that like, it's a weird scene that we laughed at for a long time, or some of us did. I'm sure some of the listeners never laughed at it, but like that I laughed at in the past that rewatching today, I'm like, oh, that's like not, that's not good. Ooh. It made me feel bad. Honestly, it made me feel bad. All right, let's finish it up. Speaking of domestic violence, Cookie's barking. Guess what? Cookie had ACL surgery this week and she's in a cone and she's recovering. And this is like the first time I've really heard her bark all week. So this is actually good. It's good that Cookie is barking at the people that I can hear shoveling out cars. That means that she's feeling better. Yay for Cookie. Okay. So, Janelle is going to see... She goes to see Barbara. She's living an hour away from Barbara at this point in time. And Barbara's like, I just... You don't come around. She's like, you know here's the thing. I think you're in a controlling relationship. And before you got with Nate, after you broke up with Cortland, you were here every night. We were always talking. We had such a nice time. You were always around. And that was like, oh yeah, Barbara. On one hand, I believe Barbara does not want Janelle to be with controlling men, right? Like a hundred percent. I totally believe that. But there's also an element of like Barbara is upset that Janelle's not out of her house every day and not for Jace and not for Jace. Barbara and Janelle are just so unhealthy. They like, this is like peak Barbara and Janelle just being so toxic for each other. Barbara's just really worried that Janelle's in another controlling relationship and 
uh, Janelle goes, no, I'm allowed to do so many things. She's like, if Nathan was controlling as Cortland, I wouldn't be allowed to have friends. I wouldn't be allowed to be on my phone. I wouldn't be allowed to be on Twitter. Like, when I was with Cortland, like, I couldn't do anything. And Barbara goes, why would you even stay with someone like that? And I'm like, Barb? Wasn't Barb in an abusive relationship with Janelle's dad for years? For a very long time? First of all, why would you say that to someone? Why did you even stay in that relationship? Because they're, they have issues. Like, why do you think, Barb? It was such a weird thing for Barbara to say. I'm like, what? Why would you say that? Mm-mm. That, Barbara is such, she's such a bitch sometimes. Um, so, yeah, Barb just misses Janelle. Then Janelle has to get emergency surgery. She has to get her appendix removed. And so her and Nate go to the hospital. Barbara shows up and starts a fight about taxes and money. <laughs> Which is off camera, but classic, right? Like, and that is a classic Barb thing to do. Like, I believe that Barb got there. She was in a tizzy. She's worried about Janelle. And I think the way that Jan- Barbara, like, shows concern. I think Barbara has, like, major issues with emotions and, like, emotion regulation. And I think that when she's, like, in a tizzy and stressed, she just starts, like, bitch about other things that she's concerned about that don't matter at that time. And that escalates to a fight. I have a feeling that happens all of the time. I think that's definitely, like, a Barbara thing to do. And I, like, can understand why that started a fight, honestly. Like, Barb, I bet Barb came in, I would bet a million dollars, and she was like, Janelle, I wonder if Janelle had insurance at this point. She may have still been on Barb's insurance. Is that possible if she had a kid? Could you be on insurance at this point when you're 20? Yeah, yeah. She may have been on Barb's insurance, but I can see her being like, Janelle is never going to be able to afford this. Also, remember, like, Janelle when the show was off the air, had, like, no, 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 no money at all. Um, And then she was, like, addicted to heroin, so all the money was going to that. And remember, when she got the abortion, her mom had to pay for it. Like, she didn't even have money for an abortion. And so then MTV shows back up. She gets some payment at the beginning of the season, and suddenly she has a new boyfriend. She's buying them, not buying them a house, but, like, paying for them to get into a new house, furnishing the whole house, like... Barbara's, I bet she went in, was like, I don't know how Janelle will pay for this hospital stay. And by the way, like, the IRS sent a letter and she owes 50000 fucking dollars in taxes. And Nate, where's your fucking money? Why is Janelle the only one paying for everything? Like, I can totally see her doing that. Like, that is so Barb. And I think she gets to that place where she's doing that because she is, like, genuinely upset and concerned for Janelle and she just is so bad at regulating her emotions that it doesn't come out that way. It comes out as like anger and nitpicking and nagging and it just blows everything up. Barb has such bad communication skills. It's why Janelle is the way that she is because she's a mom that when her mom is concerned she starts fights and that's a really hard thing to deal with and I think Janelle probably has a similar style of speaking. (laughs) Like, I'm sure that she learned that from Barbara. So, Nate and Barb get into a huge fight, which is so fucked up and inappropriate, and Nate basically asks Barb to leave. Um, A couple days later, 
bar. Well, so Tori comes over and Janelle is telling Tori all of this. And she's like, my mom was supposed to come over yesterday. She took the day off. And I told her Nate also took the day off. Um, and he would be here, too. And Barb was like, fuck you. Like, if Nate's going to be there, I don't need to be there. She left Janelle a voicemail that was like, this is fucking ridiculous. We listened to the voicemail. Uh, Jace was so excited to come over and be with you. I'm like, first of all, Janelle just had surgery. Like, why are you hyping up Jace to spend the day with Janelle? She's going to be like laying in bed recovering from surgery. So weird. Um, and she's calling Nate a control freak and just, just all of that. So Nate comes home and him and Tori are basically like, you know, this is just so ridiculous. Um, Barb is this way. This is what she does. They're talking about the fact that Nate does have a paycheck because I guess Barb was saying like, you don't make any money, but his paychecks got sent to his old address. So they had to be canceled. Some shit like that. I, that seemed shady to me. And don't forget, like, when Janelle and Nathan got together, Nathan was living in his own apartment, yes, but with another woman and a child, a child who called Nate dad. <laughs> I believe her name was Bree. It's been a very long time, but he was in a serious relationship. He moves this girl out and her daughter, moves Janelle in, and then the reason they had to leave that apartment is because he was getting evicted from there. He wasn't paying his rent there. Um, and that's why Janelle had to get them a new place. <laughs> so Barb does come over the next day. She brings Jace, and they're talking about how Cortland is getting out of jail. And Barbara's really freaked, and she's like, Janelle, you need to be careful driving around because he knows what your car is and he tried to run you off the road before. And I was like, Jesus, that's scary. And then she says, Nate, you need to make sure you're not driving Janelle's car because if he runs you off the road and you get into an accident, Janelle will lose the car and she won't have insurance. I'm 99.9% sure it's because at this point, Nate still didn't have a driver's license. His license was suspended because of his multiple DUIs. Nate, like, never has driver's license. I wonder what's going on with that DUI of his that he got when he was sleeping in the car with all of the cans. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think we've heard about that in quite a while. But I'm assuming what she means is, like, you don't have a license. If you guys get into, if Cortland runs you off the road and the car gets wrecked, like, insurance isn't going to cover it because you have a license and you're not allowed to be driving the car, which is totally true. Sound advice. Um... My ex-boyfriend had his license suspended, and of all, I did so many things wrong in my life, but I never let him drive my car. I remember once when the co the one time the cops came to talk to me about me, which I've talked about on this podcast, after he'd gotten arrested, and they were trying to get me to, like, admit to stuff that genuinely did not happen, and he was like, well, you know, there are reports of him, like, driving around in the Silver Civic, and I was like never. <laughs> I was like, I have done, I've done a lot of dumb things, but he does not drive my car. He does not have a license. I will never let him drive my car without a license. Like for whatever reason, I was like so adamant about that. And he, like, he didn't. There was be no way that he could. I never slept soundly. I mean, I guess theoretically he could have like snuck out of our house in the middle of the night and taken my car to do stuff. But like, I, I never slept that hard. I don't believe that ever happened. Like, I don't, 
I'm 99.9% sure that never happened. Like, he did not drive my car when he didn't have a license. And he did not have a license at that point and had not for, like, a while. And to the cop, I was like, that's truly impossible because I don't let him drive my car because he doesn't have a license. <laughs> like, for whatever reason, I was, like, so, so strict about that one thing. Like, I would ride around with him in his car. Or I don't even, like, his dad's car. I don't think he had, I can't remember if he, like, had a car at this point that he was driving without his license. But, like, never was he behind the car, the wheel of my 2005 Silver Civic. And so when that cop said that to me, I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Like, he's done stuff and he's in trouble. And, like, he's going to prison. And, like, that's all for him to figure out. But, like, the thing that you're trying to convince me to, like, rat on him about, like, didn't happen. Like, I was like, and it's so funny because when cops do that, it's so funny because it's like, as soon as they say that, it's like everything else you're saying is bullshit. I don't believe anything you're saying because what you don't know about me is that for whatever reason, I have created this one boundary that I, the one boundary I've ever created in my entire life that I've stuck to. (laughs) Isn't it funny? I think a lot of people who have like fucked up past, like I do, like I was going to say addicts, but like truly not just people with substance abuse issues, but people that were, like, in crazy relationships and just had, like, really toxic teens and 20s. I feel like a lot of us, like, have this one thing that we always stuck to no matter what. Like, I mean, some people were much smarter. Like, I know people who never, ever, ever got behind the wheel of a car on any substance. I wish that had been mine, but it wasn't, Um, as I've talked about extensively on this podcast. um, I wish it had been mine. But, like, I feel like a lot of us get these things and we're looking back and we're like, oh, yeah, we like really stuck to that. Like we didn't stick to anything else. We let anything else go. We let anything else happen. But for whatever reason, I was like, you cannot drive my car without a license. I honestly, I don't think he even really asked because it was like so understood that that could not happen. So I was just like thinking about that and laughing when Barbara was like going because she's right. Like, and that's also something that I would say. I have a friend that may still be on like really serious probation. He might be off. I I can't remember. But he was not supposed to leave the state and he would come down the shore and I would always be like, you are going to get arrested, like, getting in a car accident. That won't be your fault. Or you're going to be walking across the street and somebody's going to hit you. And in the the fucking ambulance, they're going to figure out that you're on probation and let your PO know. (laughs) I was all, I always would be saying that time. I'm like, you should not be down here. Like, you're being so stupid. You're like, it's something's going to happen. That's 100% not your fault. And you're going to get violated. Like, that is, I have to say, like, I understand Barbara in that moment because that's what I'm that asshole that's always like, you shouldn't be doing that because if you do that, this is going to happen. It's not going to be your fault and you're still going to get in trouble. (laughs) But Nate is like, yeah, Barbara, because that's something I would do. And it's like, well, it is like that is something you would do (laughs) because you drove without a license all the fucking time. It would we would see it online like you guys would post pictures with you clearly sitting in the fucking driver's seat like you drove without your license um and Barbara's like well all of her boyfriends have wrecked her cars and Nate starts to get mad he's like I want to show you something by the way since I'm such a bullshit liar and I'm such a pretty boy and he like pulls out a manila folder he's like here's my checks here's my checks see I get paid and Barbara's like good I'm glad 
And the thing that Nate doesn't realize is that, like, Barbara doesn't, she cares about the check. She cares about Janelle spending money. But, like, you proving Barbara wrong is not going to stop an argument. Barb's going to pivot. Because Barb's going to pivot to the new TV, which, by the way, when she walked in, she went, oh, that's a new TV. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So, okay, so we've seen your checks. You get checks. Cool. Barbara has another thing. Barbara has a fucking list. You know, like you can prove her wrong and show her that like you do do this, this and this, but it doesn't matter because Janelle is such a piece of shit that she has a million things that Barbara can criticize her about. (laughs) So Barbara turns around and she's like, she's like, okay, so who bought the TV? Why did you buy that new TV? And Janelle's like, and I do feel bad for Janelle here because she's literally recovering from surgery and she's like, I just need you to be positive or get out of my house. And Barbara's like, what a waste of my time. I drove a fucking hour to be here and you're going to say I have to leave. Or I drove two goddamn hours to get here. And Nate's like, don't use that word in my house. And Barbara's like, oh, don't bullshit me. And he's like, okay, then you can leave. And Barbara's like, this is fucking ridiculous. And Nate goes, great. That's a great way to raise a child. Teach him those words. And Barbara's I'm talking to you, not the baby. And, like, not to agree with Nate, but, like, Barbara, Jason's not a baby. He's four years old. <laughs> he speaks. <laughs> Jay speaks fluent English at this point in time. Like, I, I don't know why you think that, like, he's a baby. Because he's not a baby at all. He understands everything that you're saying. And this is when Nate like, is losing it. He's like, you don't think he hears things? You got your daughter on heroin. Good job. Oh, this fight is like, oh, just the serotonin it released in my brain. Oh, just the Janelle, Nate, Barb fights. Oh, just the good times. You know, that's why I started this podcast. Barbara screams back, I didn't put a needle on her arm. And Nate's like, it's called parenting. If you kept a short leash on her and knew what she was doing, it wouldn't happen. And Barb's like, don't fucking talk to me about parenting. I was a single mother, three kids. And Nate's like, yeah, and you took her son away and you barely ever let him see her. And she's like, took him away? She was out partying with her Tori every night. I'm like, poor Tori isn't even here and like getting dragged into this fight. <laughs> And Nate's like, well, maybe she didn't want to deal with you. And I, Barbara's like, I fucking begged her to come home. Like, what are you talking about? She was doing drugs. <laughs> and then Nate hits her with a, maybe she wouldn't have done, gotten pregnant in the first place if you showed her a little bit of love. Oh. I mean, and now we said it, right? And now we said it. Maybe Bar- maybe Janelle wouldn't have been fucking some guy that's like five years older than her and gotten pregnant and kept the baby if she felt loved by her parents. Maybe she would have. Maybe she wouldn't. Janelle's life is one big trauma and having a mother that is really aggressive and angry and a yeller did not help. It did not help her life in any way. Um, That scene is just, like, it's so beautiful. It's so, love it. It's so perfect. I mean, Janelle, Nate screaming in Barbara's face that you got your daughter hooked on heroin and Barbara screaming, I didn't put a needle in her arm. It's everything. It's everything. I mean, what more could we as Team Mom fans ask for than 
an aggressive alcoholic boyfriend screaming at an elderly woman that you got your daughter hooked on heroin. That's incredible television. (laughs) So in the second episode, it's Jace's birthday and he spends the morning with Janelle and she brings him to the birthday party and announces that Nate's going to be coming even though Barbara does not want Nate there. And she walks in with this Spider-Man cake and (laughs) Barbara goes, the icing on that is fondue. (laughs) She meant to say fondant, which fondant, fondant, which I, she goes, that's not edible. You can't eat that, which I agree with Barbara. It's disgusting. I never want a cake covered in that. Like only give me butter. Well, not only buttercream, but like give me a buttercream cake. I don't fuck with fancy cakes that have fondant on them that don't even taste like cakes. I love her icing. Cake is just a vehicle for icing. And, but Barbara is so fucking rude about it. She was so rude about it. It was so unnecessary. Janelle clearly spent a decent amount of money on that cake. She went out of her way to get it. And this is kind of like the classic Barbara and Janelle. It's like, I'm not expecting Barbara to like, praise the ground Janelle walks on for doing the bare minimum but like when she does try like just don't be a bitch to her like when Janelle shows the teeniest bit of effort which she's doing here by getting this cake why can't you just say thanks Janelle that's great thank you the people eat the cake haven't you watched cake boss you can eat it like it's just so annoying i I feel for Janelle when, like, those little things happen and it's, like, you have to remember that's Janelle's whole life. Like, her entire fucking life, when she tried, her mom was an asshole to her. And so she stopped trying. And I'm not blaming Barbara for, like, Janelle not having Jace. Please don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying here. But, like, there's something to be said about a child that is always yelled at and told that they're not doing good enough. There's a reason that you don't talk and treat children that way. So she's like, by the way, Nate's coming. And Barbara's like, I don't want him here. Why would you bring him here? And Janelle's like, shut the fuck up, mom, and stop being so selfish. I'm sure they're going to be adult parents of Jace's friends that I don't want here, but I'll deal with them like a fucking adult. (laughs) It's so bad. Like, their fighting is so toxic. It's so bad. And Nate comes. He gives Barbara an apology, which, for better or for worse, like, Barbara is a forgiver, right? And actually, it's something that drives Janelle insane, and I understand why. Because Barbara is the type that they'll have this big blow up, and then she'll call Janelle the next day and be like, so you want to come over for lunch? And Janelle's like, you called me a whore yesterday. Like, what What do you mean do I want to come over for lunch? And she's like, oh, Janelle, that's in the past. Like, she's very much that type that says really mean stuff, has these heated fights, and then, like, is ready to forgive and forget immediately. And that's a really tough, like, I think in some ways people can kind of look at that as uh, like a good quality because like you're not holding grudges, you're not holding on to things, but it's actually quite toxic. Um, just because you're doing the opposite of holding a grudge doesn't mean you're doing a healthy behavior. And it's really toxic because then it establishes this dynamic in which you can speak to somebody any which way. And that's okay as long as you say sorry or as long as like you're willing to move on really quickly after. And that's not healthy and it's not good. But, you know, for better or for worse, Barbara forgives and she'll always forgive. And so 
Nate like forces her into a hug and kisses her on the cheek and is like, I'm a good guy. <laughs> oh my God. By the way, it's really funny that uh, Nathan was screaming at Barbara about not raising her children right um, when he didn't have custody of his daughter at the time and only had supervised visits with her and lived hours away from her. But you know, that's just the way it rolls in Team Mom World. So, Barbara accepts the apology. Of course, though, she bitches about Janelle while she does it. And the next day, Janelle comes over to talk about the party. And they're talking about the fact that Jace uh, was behaving badly and hits people. He hits his cousin Gabriel a lot. He hits his friends. And Barb is like, you know, sometimes he just goes to your house. Then he comes back here and he's hitting, hitting, hitting for a while. And I think he just wants attention. Which, once again, it's like, Barbara, why would you say that? Like, you're not going to have a productive conversation with Janelle if she feels like you're attacking her. And of course she feels attacked when you say things like when he goes to your house and comes back, he's bad. Like anybody will feel defensive over that. So of course Chanel goes into her. He never acts that way when he's with me. And they get into a fight about it. And it's just, it's so classic. It's so classic Barbara and Janelle. These two episodes were like the most classic Barbara and Janelle dynamic that you could think of. Oh, they're so toxic. They're so toxic and they're so exhilarating to watch. (laughs) Oh, gosh, guys, that's it for this week. Come to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Last week, I did an episode with Tomlin on Kid Nation. This week, I believe it's going to be the Beanie Baby documentary. I will be doing definitely a Sister Wives tell-all wrap-up. Oh, I was on Kara's podcast, Everyone's Business But Mine, this week talking about the Sister Wives finale. I think it was a really good episode. You should go listen. But come to my Patreon if you want to hear my thoughts on Sister Wives this season. I'm definitely going to be doing a tell-all wrap-up. It's three parts, so I don't know if I'll, like, what my plan exactly for covering it is, but it will be happening. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Unlock, like, 140 episodes of me just chit-chatting about shit. So with that, I love you all very much. Everybody send good healing vibes to Cookie Bentley in her time of suffering. (laughs) And I love you guys. Have a good week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.